Welcome to another Wednesday night edition here on The Rock Pile, and The Rock Pile continues with a special edition here of The Legends, The Legends episode two tonight. I'll have Coach Evans on in just a moment. I want to make sure I thank, as I always do every week, the Rome Sports Hall of Fame for being the primary sponsor tonight. Uh, you can check their Facebook page out at the Rome Sports Hall of Fame and Museum. They're located at 5790 Rome, New London Road, right here in Rome. They can be reached by phone, 315-339-9038. You can reach out to Dave Spiraglia at S-B-A-R-A-D-A-V at AOL.com. They also have a Venmo account and the GoFundMe page. I have all their information going across the bottom of the ticker throughout the show. So if you have any of the information, you can grab it right on the show tonight. I want to make sure I give a special shout out to Tony Lavadotti for being one of the sponsors for tonight. And I also want to make sure I thank Joe Griffo. And I want to give a special shout out to Bob Gula and Don's Ford. Make sure I get this out here for Bobby tonight. Bob Gula at Don's Ford and BMW of Utica with all new Fords and BMWs. They have a large selection of used cars, trucks, and SUVs of all makes and models. Over 80 pre-owned SUVs and over 50 pre-owned trucks and many used vehicles that will be $250 or less payment per month. We finance good, bad, and no credit customers. Make sure to contact Bob Gula at 315-864-7043 or at robertgula at carbonecars.com. I know tonight's show, if you're just tuning in for the first time, we'll run the Legend Show for the next couple months through April. It's an interactive show, so if you're listening to me on YouTube or Facebook, just put your questions or comments in there, and I'll do the best I can to bring as many over um, to the broadcast as I can. So without further ado, let me bring him on to the broadcast. He'll be on here in just a moment. There you are, Coach. How are you? Well, I'm doing well. Thank you, Rack. Good to have you on here. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. I listened the last week to Coach Davis. He did an outstanding job. He's a tough one to follow. Well, Coach, I got to say, and I, know I can't see in front of you, but you either have a napkin or a, a notebook of notes in front of you, or you're probably upset because I, I didn't give you any agenda. I gave you no questions, no anything, and you always have to prepare. So do you have anything written down in front of you? Well, I'm, on an, I'm at my island in my kitchen, and you can tell Coach Kenny, who probably told you about this, that, yes, I've got my notes. Well, I was going to say, you can't be anywhere without notes in front of you. But if you caught the end of Coach Davis last week, I said to people all last week and this week, this is the first time. I mean, I usually have you on the radio for like 10, 15 minutes. But I, I get you one-on-one -on -one for almost a full hour tonight. Well, this should be fun. I don't know if I'm, if I'm nervous or I'm, I'm more scared to ask you some questions. Rock, it was like having you up the bat with a man on third in the last inning with two outs. How do you think Co I Coach, I, I led the team in hitting. I hit 595 for you. Yeah. But we lost one game, so I never got to live that down. Most of your teams right. are undefeated. You don't want to you didn't want to lose, Rock. No. Well, coach, let's get right into some some stuff here. And again, I don't have any particular order. If we go different places, we go that way. So um, so coach, I always wanted to ask you the question how you got involved in coaching. Well, I'm from a Sports family. My father was a coach. My uncle was a coach. Uh, my dad coached SAA back in the mid-30s. He had a very good basketball team. And uh, I just, that was the only thing I ever thought and never thought I'd do. I went to uh, Canton to play basketball for a cup of coffee until the season was over. 
then I came back to Rome. And in fact, I even had to go back to high school. Eventually got into Syracuse and got into the phys ed department. And uh, from then it was history. Coach, what type of coach was your dad? Was he was he a hard-nosed coach? Was he a player's coach? Well, there aren't too many people around that can remember him, but he was a hard-nosed. Yeah. He, uh, he was a disciplinarian. Uh, they had an outstanding team. They had 22 wins at SAA. They beat the Syracuse freshmen. In fact, they were supposed to go to uh, Chicago to play in the National Catholic Tournament. But uh, – Bishop wouldn't let him go because it was during Lent. But he had the Berry brothers, Tom Berry, Jack Berry, John Berry, uh, Ducky Rashford, Dale's father. They had a good, yep. they had a very good team. They beat RFA. They beat, they, they only lost, like I said, one or two games. Coach, how did, how did you end up finding uh, RFA? How'd you, how was that job open? How'd you hear about it? How'd you end up there? <clears throat> well, the man that probably – was most influential in me in my career as a, a physical education teacher and coach was uh, Mr. Dane. Mr. Dane was a good friend of my dad. My dad ran a sporting goods store in Rome in the 100 block of West Liberty Street, the sports center. Okay. And Mr. Dane, they bought a lot of equipment from us and everything. And uh, my first job was at Chittenango. I took Phil Gordon's place there in Chittenango in the elementary school in Bridgeport and uh, Chittenango Station. I didn't do any coaching. And then this job opened up, and uh, Mr. Dane asked me if I would be interested in teaching physical education and coaching the freshman team, and I said I'd love to. So that's how it started. And was it 30 years, Coach, you were the, you were the head coach at RFA? 22 in uh, basketball. 22 in hoops. Now you've had, you, you've coached a lot of good teams, and I've had a lot of people tonight reach out to me about what years teams were what. But was it the seventy two seventy three team that won no. the championship and finished twenty one and two? No, seventy three seventy four. And that they were you were twenty one and two. Yes, that was the in fact that was the only section three championship team we've had in basketball. And coach. When, when you when you were there, I know everybody always talks about, and I remember being a little kid coming to a lot of the games, you know, when you guys started, um, you know, the Globetrotter stuff, the bands, and I always tell Coach Medesis, your games were the most packed high school basketball game that I'd ever been to. Where'd that come from? <laughs> well, when I took over in 1970, I, I had two kids that were, or three kids, really, that were like my sons, Anthony Ortolano, Robert Dixon, and Bobby Vero, they were they were seniors, juniors. Bobby was a senior. The other two were juniors. I said, we got to do something to get some excitement here. So I had went to the NIT that year, and I watched Tennessee play. And they put on a pregame show with the color orange and everything. So I said, yeah. let's – I said to Auntie, I said, Aunt, let's take the color orange and run with it. So the first thing we did is I got bumper stickers that said – Support RFA basketball. Welcome to Big Orange Country. So I sent Anthony and Robert out to sell the bumper stickers. They were gone for about 20 minutes. I got a phone call. Coach, coach. Yeah, how you doing? You selling any? Selling any, they said. We're in jail. <laughs> you gotta have you gotta have a vendor's a registration in order to sell anything. So I had to go down and not bail them out, but tell them. 
the cops were good. But that was the start of it. And then we just took the color orange and went with it. Now, Coach, how was the program before you took over? They had some good years. But, they, of course, they had Mike and Dave, and they probably had the – athletically, they probably had the, one of the best teams we ever had in Rome. Like and Mike told you last week, week with Mike and Dave, Tracy Stubbs and Gary DeFazio yeah. and that group. And uh, Coach Bennett stepped down, and uh, <clears throat> his one son, uh, Keith, was done. He graduated in 69. And then his other son, Mark, was a junior, and he, he wanted to watch him play rather than coach him. So that's how I got the, got the position. Now, is it true, though, about the, the temperature in that gym? Did you always have that temperature raised up to make it hot in there for other oh, teams? Rock, you know me. I wouldn't do anything. <laughs> it's, God bless his soul. I'm sure he's probably looking down laughing like that. Pop Holders was all. It's all him. Yep, I remember. He was the custodian. And the more people thought we put the raise the heat up, the more he ate it up. And he'd wait till about five minutes to go before the start of the game. And he'd walk around the gym and I kind of nod to him and people were all laughing. They're saying, yep, Pop's going to put the heat up. Coach Mike said last week, though, he said Notre Dame always had our phase number back then. Yes, they did. Uh, we were the my first year we beat them at RFA with uh, Ricky Ingham as the captain, Bobby Vero, Ro Robert Dixon, and Jimmy Rundell, and that group of kids. And we beat them and we held on to the ball. Probably ended up a bad idea because we did it for the rest of the year, but they didn't have a shot clock then. So we yep. just sat on the ball. So a good story Robert Vero took the ball out of bounds. We were ahead and going into halftime. He throws the ball away with about 10 seconds left in the half. So he comes in, sits down, and I give him a fairly nice little tap with my ring on his head. <laughs> So Anthony comes up and he says, Coach, Coach, Robert's bleeding, bleeding. I says, he ought to be bleeding. The way he threw that ball in, he should be in a hospital. <laughs> we always laugh about that. But the Robert was a great a great young man, a great player, and uh, him and Ricky did a nice job as coaches, as uh, uh, captains that year. You got a, some comments I want to pull over, Coach. Uh, Venice McClendon, I'm sure you remember Venice. He says, we love you, Coach. I remember watching Venice play. Yeah, tell Venice he still owes me $40 for his senior prom uh, tuxedo he rented to go to Rome Catholic. <laughs> Calvin Carney says, awesome seeing Coach E online. We got to say, though, Mrs. E's the one who got you set up. You didn't have anything to do with getting set up. Tonight. No, 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 no. She's the back, She's the backbone. She knows all this stuff. She did a, she did a great job. How Marcus would you like Coleman. Hey, how would you like to cook steak, green beans, and French fries for 22 straight years, three times a week? <laughs> she had to be somebody special. Coach, you got Marcus Coleman says, Coach Evans, Marcus, tell them to get off the court. Oh, Marcus, yeah. He's a big politician now up in Boston, isn't he? Yep. We yeah. got MJ Canan says, Coach E, the real GOAT. Yeah. He was one Everybody of my shirts. Yeah, I remember MJ. Yeah. Demetrios, your buddy up at Dippin'. Oh boy, Coach E's the man. Yeah, tell him I got some more golf clubs for him. 
Coach, my sister says, and I got I to gotta kind of bust you on this a little bit. She says, since I've coached at Camden, I always remember the advice Coach Evans told me. He said, always tell the media, where you see here, that your team will be competitive. Never tell them that you have a great team. So needless to say, that's what I say every year. Well, that's good. You get off the hook that way. They can't come back and say, you said we we're going to have a great team. Well, that she always says that. But, Coach, yeah. you've, had, you've coached so many good athletes, and I still want to stay on the high school piece because I think a lot of people, you know, they, they know what a great basketball coach you were, but a lot of people say you were a better baseball coach than you were a basketball coach. Now, was it 43 years as the head JV coach? Did I get my mm-hmm. math right? 42 years. All right, so you had to correct me. 42 years, and I think I pulled 460 wins. 560-110, Rack. Cheaper. See, look at that. I knew you'd have the numbers. But let me tell you, see, I worked for some three good coaches who gave me the opportunity. They weren't the type of coaches that uh, varsity coaches that took the good players up to the varsity as freshmen or 10th graders and let them sit on the bench. Uh, Coach Score, Coach DeCosti, and Coach Cordy, and they left the good players. If they weren't going to play on a varsity, they left them down on the JVs. So I was always blessed with good players. Yeah, and and I can and I was telling you when we first came on, but most of your teams were undefeated. I lost one game. We lost the last game of the year. I think we lost to Liverpool, and I think it was five to two. We were winning two nothing, I think, going into the last inning. But it, most of your teams either went undefeated or you lost one game. Well, there's a little story behind that. And uh, 1960s, what would it be? 66, Mike Davis's team with Jimmy Burns and uh, that group of kids. They went undefeated. And every year when we lost the game, Burnsy used to drive truck for Teals, big 18-wheeler. He'd come by practice with that horn, and he'd blow the horn, and I'd tell the boys. I said, see, boys, you get beaten. I got to listen to that son of a gun come by, blow the horn to tell me that we got beat, and we're still not one of the undefeated teams. So well, uh, I will say this, though. I do remember our, our last game was an away game. If we lost, we never stopped at McDonald's. No. Nope. So we didn't we didn't want to lose, but we lost, and you were you held true. We didn't stop at McDonald's on the way home. Well, a good story with that. That was that was the rule. If we lost, we didn't stop. I was up in Oswego one year, and we played so bad, and it was so hot. We stopped in front of McDonald's. I told the driver, I says, look, open the door, and as soon as I'm down on the cement, close it. Nobody gets out. I went in, got myself a Coke, and came back and sat down and drank my Coke. (laughs) And I let the rest of them sit there for an hour's ride. We didn't lose after that either. Of course, I had had Roy Austin with me, you know, and old Roy used to have $2.10, and he knew exactly what he was going to get at McDonald's. So if we lost, he knew we weren't going to stop. So that that used to really piss him off. Yeah, we always had a good time with him. He was one of a kind boy. Wow, that's that's a story in itself. Coach Scork got me on Roy. He says, I got a manager for you this year. I said, who is it? He says, Roy Austin. Roy, what's he going to do? Oh, he don't worry. I said, he won't last a week. First game at Proctor. There was a play. I go out and start yelling at the umpire. I look next to me, and here's Roy. He's yelling. I go, 
what are you doing? He says, I'm the manager. I says, yeah, you're the manager. You can charge your bats, foul balls, <laughs> and picking up the, the water cooler after the game. No, you said I was manager. <laughs> said, I said two weeks. It was 22 years. God bless. Miss him, boy. He was one of a kind. Great personality. He, he, he was beautiful. I used to tell him, I'll fire you. If you we lose a foul ball, Roy, you're done. That's it. You're done. <laughs> so he chased foul balls. I'd see him over Coach Mize's house crawling underneath the bushes looking. <laughs> so the best one was his father was an umpire. So I says, Roy, you're captain tonight. What? I says, you're captain. So we walk up to the home plate. Here comes a coach from the other team. The old man goes to me. He says, Coach, what are you doing? He says, Roy's captain. Roy's captain. He says, I says, what am I going to do? Introduce the captain for the day, Roy Austin. My name's Roy Austin. I said, don't worry. The coach won't know. Yeah, you can't do this to me. <laughs> I kept him out there. The old man, he was he was fit to be tied. He says, you're doing it to me again. Coach, now being, I mean, you you coach basketball and and baseball for a long time. I, I obviously everybody says you were a basketball guy first and baseball. Do you think you were better at, at either one? Would you say you're a better basketball coach or baseball? No, I just love to coach. I love to teach physical education. You know, I I just loved it. Didn't make any difference to me. Uh, the baseball, I coached the baseball like I did the basketball. I went to practice every day. I was prepared. Uh, we had, uh, you know, we 15, 20-minute drills and moved yep. from one thing to another. And uh, I was blessed with great baseball players. Basketball, you know, the competition was tougher. I was coaching JV baseball. A lot of teams, like I said, they had good 10th grade players. They moved into varsity. I wasn't dumb. I knew that. Our 10th graders played JVs. So right. I had an advantage. But the, the basketball was uh, was my goal, love. You know, I took the color orange and we went with it. We had the pregame show and we had the pre, we had the band, the pep band and all that. It, it was just, it was just uh, enthusiastic. Coach, when you, when you watch high school basketball today, I, I know you still take notes and stuff. And I, I think once you're a coach, you're always a coach, but uh, what do you think's changed? What's the biggest thing over the years that's changed? You know, it's funny, Rick. I told you my dad was the coach. I asked my dad one time, Dad, show me what you did when you coached. He took me over to the old YMCA, which was right across from my father's store, and he showed me some stuff, dribble handoffs, screen the ball, pass, cut. It's the same as they're doing today. The game has really gone back to where it was in the 30s and the 40s. Is it a lot better? Yes. They're more athletic, things like that. But the game, the basics game is easier today to coach than it was back in the 80s and 90s because every team is doing it basically the same. When, when now, I, what about what about the use, though, of the, of the like, and I, this is just from watching, you watch college basketball and even the NBA and even some high school, the days of the, the traditional big man, the back, the back down to the basket. Now it's more the big guys are on the perimeter. They're, who, who's shooting a three ball? They're shooting 30, 40 threes a game. Back then, you weren't shooting 30, 40 threes a game, but you didn't have the three-point line for a lot of those years. You didn't have three-point line. And that's what they're, they're looking for. They're looking to spread the court out, open up the court, because these kids are so good at penetrating, getting into the paint. In fact, now more and more, you're seeing guys – 
instead of it used to be helping out, they don't help out anymore because they don't want to leave the corners open. They don't want to leave the shooters in the corners open. So they'd rather give up a two than give up a three. But uh, these kids are, are working, and working on ball handling, dribbling, and being able to get in the paint. I think that's one of the problems of Syracuse. They have nobody outside of that. What is it, Rob? Richmond? Yeah. He's the only guy that can really get into the paint and finish. Gerard can't finish in there. Behan can't finish in there. Richmond can finish in there. That's But you look at your real athletic teams, they got guys that can get into the paint and finish or kick. But that's the difference. <laughs> how, how about the way the game's coached now? When you watch some of these high school coaches, I'm always joking with Coach Medesis because I always tell him, you know, back in the day, just running up and down the court, I was always used to having a set offense, a set defense. But when I watch him, I always joke with him. I mean, is it coached different now than it was years ago too? Yeah, they don't have the set plays. That's why you watch some games, you watch the stupid shots they take at the end of the game because they had no set plays and they don't have right. a play to set up for Rock Corgnano to shoot it. That coach sits over there. He doesn't know who's going to shoot it. Right. And, uh, you know, it's easier to coach today because they, you don't have to scout all these plays. I used to send my two great scouts, Mr. Kenny and Mr. Perry, out to scout. I mean, we they come back. Sometimes they come back. But uh, with plays and things like that, and we go over all the plays and things, you don't have to do that much anymore. You coach you, well, you it, personnel more. Right. And I would say nowadays, too, they got all these different technology, these huddle apps, these online apps where coaches trade film. And that was one thing with my dad. We used to go actually physically scout teams. We'd write down stuff. And I'd be like, Dad, we don't have to do that anymore. The coaches – send it to us. And he'd always say, there's always a trick up their sleeve. We got to get to the game. But that's even changed nowadays, right? The way these coaches oh, yeah. are yeah. with the apps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had coach Kenny, like I said, and coach Perry, they, they went out every Friday, Tuesday and Friday and scouted. Now, most of the time they got to the games, but uh, sometimes they'd get lost. I sent them one time down to Sydney to get, to scout Sydney. And they had a great player, Gene Gray. Instead of going down Route 8, go to Sydney, they ended up over in Norwich. They get to the game, the game's over. So Dennis, Coach Perry, being Coach Perry, he says, he asked the cheerleaders, he said, what's the story with your team? They come back, they said, Gene Gray's their best player. I said, <laughs> boy, two and a half hours it took you to go down there to come back and tell me Gene Gray's their best player? I said, I knew that. He went on to Lemoyne and was an All-American. But – uh they used to come back with good scouting reports, and which would help a lot. Coach, you know, that, and, and that brings up another point. I, in the basketball, I was blessed with great assistant coaches. You know, Coach Bruce was with me for just, 21 years, and Coach Ryan, and uh, Coach Perry, Coach Hulk was with me at the modified, and they, they did what I asked them to do. I'd give them offenses and defenses terminology, and, and they did it. And that made it easier for me once the kid got to the varsity. Yeah, I was blessed. I got to play for Coach Bruce, uh, and, well, in football and basketball. Basketball, he was my seventh and eighth grade coach. Yeah. So I stayed two years to play for him there. But um, And all those coaches you say, I mean, those are all great coaches. And I think that's a lot of days now. You miss having those types of coaches 
you know, at the lower levels. We don't we don't know how blessed we were, coach, to have a lot of coaches like that back then that were JV, they were modified, junior high, it really molded the program, you know, back then. I think we 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 still lack that these days. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, now you got coaches coaching modified or JVs, they want to know how much they're gonna make. These guys didn't make much money, but they were dedicated. I mean, you know, I had like Pete Sestito and Tommy Zimadowski and Shelby Ferguson, Joe Mortis, yep. guys like that that came back and gave back to the programs and, and were my modified coaches. And uh, Coach, I got a bunch of comments I want to bring over some here. Uh, let me see here. Anthony Verano says, quote, you plant corn, you get corn. He says, I still use it to this day. I think we all use that one to this day. Yeah, that was a favorite. Mike Dominic says the Jimmy Burns effect. I ruined his army, though. <laughs> Danny Sanborn says, Coach E, the best ref league at RFA. Oh, yeah, that's where it all started. Well, it started over in Fort Stanwix <laughs> in the summer. Greg Sees, myself, Thanks. Coach Danny, Coach Perry, I mean Coach 80, we ran a summer rec program over there. And then we Sean took Chase it. says, base, best baseball coach. Sean was a good one, too. Sean Chase. Yeah, shortstop. He lives up in Rochester. Matt Moore says, Coach E played some serious paddle ball in gym class. Well, those guys didn't understand. They couldn't beat me. That's why David Scacia to this day thinks I cheated him. <laughs> Tony Mariano did a great job. I've, I've interviewed Tony numerous times. Best JV baseball coach in Rome history. Yeah, for 42 see, years. For 42 years, Anthony, I was the only one. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Melnick says, what a great man. Let's see. Okay. We got more here. Jerry Klosinski said, had fantastic coaches growing up from the youth through college. He's the best of all of them. Great seeing you on here, Coach. Uh, Jerry was an excellent catcher. Very good. I see Thank he's you. giving back. He's a J uh, JV uh, girls softball coach, I think. Yes. Yep. Bernie Colangelo says, never knew the impact this man would have on me until I became an adult. He's still mad because we used to beat him in slow pitch. Jason McCordick says, more turnovers than dandy donuts. I remember that one. I don't want to say nothing about Jason. Jason's a good <laughs> He calls me or, or sends a text about once every two weeks. He's the new father of a new baby boy, yep. and he's going to spoil the devil out of him. I think his mother's down there tonight, today with him. Thanks for the kind words, Jason. I appreciate it. Coach, and then when you when when you when you left Rome, I just want to go back to that Stroud gym. And I think again, you'll you'll probably correct me on this, but was it two thousand nine? They they honored the gym after you. Yes, I think that was it. Yeah, two yeah. thousand nine. What was that night like for you? Oh, that was very emotional. Let's put it that way. They did an excellent job. Uh, you know, they presented me with a plaque and a. A picture of the gym. I got it in my living room. It was just a nice night. And I had my old orange shoes and my orange plaid pants and orange sport coat. And my wife will remember the old shirt with the black shirt with the white tie. Every every game I yelled down to her, Gigi, where's the black shirt? <laughs> Over the dryer. I, I had to say that before Tommy Campbell said something about it. <laughs> Coach, 
do you and I asked Mike this and I'll, I've asked my father this question numerous times and I'll probably ask all the guys and coaches that I'll talk to on this show do you think nowadays you think a lot yourself and a lot of those coaches back then could have adapted to today's game oh yeah yes we adapted to the game I mean it wasn't the same game as it was 20 20 years you know before our time you adapt you adjust you know kids the I listen to this. Kids have, kids have changed. Nah, kids haven't changed. You know what? We as parents have changed. It makes me sick to my stomach when growing up people say kids have changed. Kids don't know anything about anything. We've changed as adults. We've demanded less of kids. We expect less of kids. We make their lives easier instead of preparing them for the life is truly about. We're the ones who have changed. You know what I miss, Coach? I, I always say this, that when I was younger, um, Mike Ady, used, you, you'll remember, Mike Ady used to live above my old salon. And when we used to live next door on Washington Street, when Brian would be over there, you know, we'd be outside throwing the baseball in the front yard. We'd be outside shooting baskets. I mean, wintertime, we'd take a shovel and shovel the free throw line and, and shoot foul shots. You know, nowadays, I mean, I know the pandemic kids aren't outside, but even nowadays, when you go around, you don't see a lot of that anymore. You know, the technology, no. the cell phones, the tablets and all that, um, you, you don't see that. I got a grandson, both grandsons. I bought jump ropes. I bought the ladder where you put it down and do things. I asked him, Trey, have you been you been working? Uh, 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 no, he hasn't. You know, and then when they come time to make the team, and if they don't make the team, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell them. You, the other kid was working while you were out. Doing your uh, whatever that phone thing they got, smartphone yeah. or whatever. Yep, yep. My wife just said I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, I got. Let me bring. I got a couple more. This is a great one here. John Brody says, "You want sympathy? Get a puppy. Great coach, great motivator. Thanks for all you did." I remember that quote. That's a good one. Rock, I remember you, Rock. Well. You were the two-glove player, remember? I had more than two. <laughs> Every inning, depending on who the batter was, you changed gloves. You <laughs> had the bigger glove, a smaller glove. <laughs> and your grandmother used to say over there, and don't you yell at my Rocky. Don't she always stood up for me, no matter what. I could do no wrong in my grandma's eyes. Oh, Carl, Coach Manganero says, loved running the deuce for JV baseball around Geyer Field. Oh, yeah, that was, right. that was tradition. Then I, I laughed. Sometimes we had the snow banks were so high, you know. At first, I used to just let them run. Then I noticed one year at time, I said, Jesus, I got more kids than that. So I used to take go around the opposite way because they'd <laughs> go around and they'd stay, stay behind the snow banks. And then on the second lap, they'd jump in line. So I'd go around the other way and I'd catch them. So I made them do another one. And coach, when when you when you left RFA, I, I want to get into some Hamilton College. So I know you're you're still good friends with Coach Murph, and uh, Coach Murph has been on the Saturday morning radio show with me a few times, and I'm I'm probably due to get him back. But you spent now you're going to correct me here again. Was it eleven seasons? Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was ninety four to two oh five. Of course, I spent a year with him at uh, SUNY Tech too. Yep, yep. It's his second year at SUNY Tech, I I worked with him. He was a mentor for me. I mean, he, 
we had more good times together. And uh, he, he's he's a guy who gave me a second chance. I lost the job here, Rome. I would probably still been here, you know, if it wasn't for some situations that, yep. that came up. But uh, he called me up. He said, hey, how about coming over here? Coming over here? When? I'll be right there now. So I went there, and it, it was a great experience. Uh, I mean, I went to California twice. I went to St. Louis, to Florida, twice to Australia. I mean, and he was just—he was just great. He let us coach, and he was—he's one of those coaches that you don't say too much during the game, but during practice, it was all yours. He just sit there and and listen. In fact, uh, we had a couple of good stories. Terry Pazer was refereeing one of the games, and. Uh, Terry made a couple bad calls, according to Coach Murphy. Coach looked at me. He says, that's your boy. That's your boy out there. Blowing that goddamn whistle like that. He says, he's terrible. So, naturally, I'm sitting there. I laugh. Laugh? He says, you laugh? He says, I'll fire your ass. <laughs> the next day, I came in about 15 minutes later. And he's always on time. The thing, he looks at his wristwatch and he goes, Quarter after four, huh? I says, well, coach, I'm sorry. They had a JV job up the Rome Catholic. I interviewed him for it. Seeing you're going to fire me. <laughs> but uh, Terry got me even afterwards. He he tucked me up up at St. Lawrence because I told him he'd get off his fat, whatever. A few choice words. Murph says, what happened? I says, I finally told my boy where he should do well, Coach, what was the what was the toughest part when you and obviously I, I think everybody in Rome would agree you still should have been the head coach and that's one of the things I can honestly say is that I played baseball for you but I would have loved to play basketball for you even though I would have probably got yelled at more in basketball than I did in baseball with you. What was the toughest part um, leaving RFA not the way you wanted to leave and then and obviously then going to the college game because you had to make that transition. Uh, the coach at Hamilton College it was just. Those kids were just great. I mean, when I was, I just got over that uh, COVID-19 and I had the pneumonia and I got 275 letters and a lot of them were from Hamilton and they sent me, uh, the, what's, what's the steak? Uh, gee, what's the steak? They sent me that package with the steak. Oh, Omaha steaks? Omaha steaks. They sent yep. me Omaha steaks about 12 of them. I mean, and I get phone calls from those guys. And I, I'm still very good friends with guys like Franny Degada, Joe Finley, Carlos Friedman. It's just a great place to coach. And uh, people go, how did you went to Australia? I says, yeah. How'd you afford that? I says, I don't know. Coach Nurse says, you got to be here at 530. We're on the bus. We're going to Australia for 10 days. I says, I'll be there. <laughs> and it was just great. I mean, uh, the games were great. He, he was a great person to coach with, and uh, he, he's a great, he was a great coach. He got a lot out of the kids. I learned a lot from him. Of course, I used to go over and uh, watch him practice before when I coached, so, you know, I had an idea. But it was just a great experience. All right, Coach, I got more people put stuff on here. And Vinny Card says, no one was off limits to the chatter, even if we didn't play basketball. Jogging back from Franklin Field gym class. Um, hey, Card, con congratulations. You got your name in the paper. Now get your butt back to class, or I'm telling Mize. I do remember that. 
Um, let's see. We got a lot on here. We got uh, Tommy Campbell says, Coach would keep us so late at practice, close to 10 o'clock. We used to bribe the janitor with pizza and wings to shut the lights off. <laughs> well, we used to we used to have uh, lunch practices too. When I first, especially at, when I was a freshman, we used to practice in the morning from nine to eleven, sit on the mats, eat to twelve, and then go from twelve to two. Uh, that's with David Russell and uh, my man Perry Neasy was my manager. Perry, yeah, yeah. And then Good Coach morning. Brian Meter says, uh, thanks from the kids from DeWitt Clinton. Well, you know, we had I had great athletes down there, and uh, we have some great stories in the two Van Meters and Johnny Pettinelli, the Browns, uh, Anthony DeSimone, Ricky McLean, all the Coleman brothers, C, uh, Tony, uh, Ernie, Joe Mortis. Those guys were all DeWitt Clinton kids, and – they used to win so bad, like in the Saturday morning basketball league, I used to have to go down because after the game, they beat the other team up. <laughs> Monday morning, I get a phone call. Coach, you got to do something with your basketball team. I said, what do you mean? We won 60 to 10. No, they beat the other team up. So I used to have to go put them in the car, take them down to the courtyards and leave them off because they beat the other team up. But they were Kevin Parker was another one. I forgot Kevin's name. I mean, you have athletes like that. Uh, we used to have some great times. Now, and, I think Bobby Van Meter sent me a message because I think he said, and I don't want to miss this quote here, so let me make sure I pull this up. But he says that sixth grade undefeated team ended up being your starting starting five on the 1976 team. Yep, that's what Ralph Smaldon and, and uh, his brother, he played – his brother, Brucey, was a fifth grader in that team. We used to play trigger up. He probably was in fourth grade when he played with that team in the sixth grade. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, we used to have some great times. They used to have a city track meet, all the grammar schools. And I used to, I went into the principal down there, Harry McKenna. I said, you know, Mr. McKenna, I think we can win this track meet, but we got to get up to that track and practice. He said, when do you think you got to go? Well, we got to go during school. So he let, used to let me out three days a week from 10 to 12, put the kids in the car, go up there, run run the relays, run the, in the pits, high jump and everything else. And naturally, we won. <laughs> <laughs> so, Coach, now it was at SUNY IT, then to Hamilton, and then you went over to LeMoyne with Steve. Yeah. Right? Yes. So talk to us a little bit about that because I know just from my short time – coach and I think with with my dad I think the the Sunday coaches meetings were probably the toughest for us the games we always you know he let me kind of do my own thing but deep down when you're that head coach it's tough to be an assistant how tough was it to be an assistant with Steve uh, the toughest part was his mother <laughs> <laughs> well, he was all right you know he, he'd listen sometimes sometimes he wouldn't but uh that was a great experience too. Those were great kids. Uh, of course, beating Syracuse in that exhibition game was a was a, a once in a lifetime thing. I'll never forget it. Uh, sitting there, uh, we were ahead by two in the first thirty seconds. I walked down to the bench, end of the bench, to our manager. I says, "You got your cell phone?" She says, "Yeah." What do you want me to do, Coach? I says, "Take a picture of that score in a hurry." I <laughs> said, "Cause you know it ain't gonna last long." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Next thing you know, here it is, four minutes left. I look up, we're up by four. All of a sudden, you know, they go to their zone and everything else, and all of a sudden our kids, they say, Coach, we can win this game. And we had a little kid out of Long Island, Jimmy, uh, Chris Johnson makes a deuce. The only thing he could do is shoot three-point shots or standstill jump shots. They leave him wide open. He makes a deuce, and we win by one. Yeah, I remember game. that was huge. That was huge. But uh, I enjoyed the the tough thing there was the bus rides, naturally going all the way out to, to weekends to uh, New England or up to Maine and everything. But uh, I, I liked coaching with my son. It was fun. Yeah, I, I think Gallagher Driscoll was the assistant. I got along good with Gallagher. He was my roommate, and we always we <laughs> wherever we went to eat, we or, or stay the hotel. We always had a bar next door, so we <laughs> always made it nice. So, coach, you're a member of a lot of Hall of Fames, um, and again, I got to make sure I got my stats here right, uh, and I know you'll correct me. The SUNY IT Hall of Fame, uh, 1988 the New York State Basketball Hall of Fame in 2000, uh, the Rome Sports Hall of Fame right here in 2000, the New York State Coaches Hall of Fame in 2011, the Greater Utica Sports Hall of Fame in 2011. Did I miss any? No, you got them all. That just means you got a lot of years, and they run out of names, Rick. But, Coach, how special is the one to be right here in Rome in that Rome Sports Hall of Fame? Oh, it's a great honor. It's a great honor because – my dad was in it. He was one of the early ones that uh, inductees. Then I got into it. Then my daughter got, Kristen got into it. Then Steve got. So we're, you know, there's four of us in it. And if they had one for wise, my wife should be in it too. But uh, because uh, she, like I said, she's the backbone. She, she put up with all uh, all of us. And uh, but uh, it means a lot to me. And uh, I just got to put a plug into the Hall of Fame that GoFundMe if. Anybody wants to give a $5 donation, you can go on there. And I was kind of the backbone for that. And uh, believe it or not, we got a couple, $3,000. And, uh, you know, it's still running. So if anybody wants to donate to it, we'd certainly appreciate it. We're not looking to see somebody give hundreds of dollars or anything, but $10, whatever, be good for the hall. It's a great thing. And there's people that really put in a lot of time and effort and work into it. And, Coach, I, I know you've been involved in a lot of camps, too, and I want to get into uh, – I know you know Tom Konchalski that just passed away, one of the old high school uh, scouts. And I don't know if you knew this. You probably do. He was a Fordham grad. Yeah. Did you know he was a Fordham he grad? Yes, he was. Yes, I did. He Tom, was the – He was a good friend of mine. Uh, we used to call him the glider. And uh, if you – they had article two articles this week in the New York Post about him. One that he was sick in hospice, and the next day he had passed away the day they put the articles. So for two days in a row, they had articles in the New York Post about him. Tom was just a great individual, never had a car, never had a cell phone, and he was good friends, and he was in business with Howard Garfrankel, who was part owner of the five-star basketball camp. Yeah, and Coach, Tom was actually responsible for, you may know this name too, is when I was at Fordham, Bavon Robin. I don't know if that name rings a bell, but Bavon Robin was one of the best inner city players. And actually, he was on the last Fordham team that was actually any good. And Tom was actually the scout that actually found him for, for Fordham. Did uh, 
was he his name might have been mentioned in the article was he still friend close friends with yeah yeah Tom? yes yep. his name was mentioned in the article but you, you would see him everywhere at the Empire State Games at the at um, the hall of, the National Sports Festival at the Olympics he would be all over and like I said he never drove a car and uh, he'd just fly or he'd get friends to give him rides and what he did was he, he just evaluated talent and coaches would buy his service. He was in business with Garf. Him and Garf ran the HBC report until the NCAA got involved and they thought Garf was getting an advantage because of his basketball camp. He'd invite the best players and he would, Tom would evaluate them and they thought there was an advantage there. So they put a rule in you couldn't run a service and have a camp. So Garf, so-called, quote-unquote, sold the service to Tom, and Tom took the service over. Well, Coach, I remember because you, you took me up in the van to, to the five-star camp a couple of years, and um, I, I remember going up there and uh, listening to, um, I think Hubie Brown was one of the guys that spoke. Oh, yeah. to, this, to this day, I still say, Hubie Brown was the, gave the best talk that I've heard to this day. Um, oh, yeah. He was phenomenal. Well, the story, a good story with Hubie Brown is Hubie Brown started coaching at St. Mary's of Little Falls. And in about 1953, they came up and played SAA at the old YMCA in Rome. And Hubie was still Hubie when he started. That, if you ever saw him coach afterwards, and he'd have the towel, he'd be, yep. you know, he, and he was like that. And I sat right behind him and I said, geez, this guy. He's wacky. Of course, I was wacky too. So <laughs> I didn't know at the time I was only like 16 years old. But Hubie Brown started coaching St. Mary's of Little Falls in about 1953. And coach, one of the things I didn't know, I, I had to go back on, on some notes here, but you actually had coached, you were, you were on the bench, was it with, with Luke Carnes second in 85? 1985, I, I had the opportunity to work at the National Sports Festival. And uh, that was... Uh, a prelim to Olympic year. The Olympics was in 88. So they took kids that were going to be freshmen and uh, kids that were freshmen and put a North, South, East, and West team together. And they had all the Olympic sports. And we went down to LSU in Baton Rouge. And uh, I coached with Coach Karnaseka. Tom Davis was the coach of the West team. He coached oh, yeah. in Iowa. Iowa, yep. Larry Brown was coaching the North team from Kansas, yep. and Dave Whitney was uh, the Alcorn State South coach. Oh, okay. And we it was a ten days of great, just great times. Uh, we had we had some great players: Ronnie Cycli, Danny Ferry. Uh, maybe you remember some of these kids. Uh, Danny Manning played in it for the oh, yeah. West. We had Quint Snyder, who coaches uh, yep. uh, Denver. He's in, he's in the yep. He's in the NBA. He was at Missouri. Was on Coach K's staff. Howard Evans from Temple. Demetrius Score and Charles Smith from Pitt. Dougie West from Villanova. Walt Lamberati from North Carolina State. Uh, Mark Bryant from Seton Hall. Danny Ferry from Duke and Ronnie Cycli from Syracuse. Wow, all that was big a big team. But all yeah. four of the teams were great. And uh, Coach Karnaseka was he used to call me Rome. Hey Rome. So we we meet down there and 
It's about 110 in the shade. So I, we're walking. I says, Coach, it's awful hot. We got to walk off for 10 days. Rome, you're right. We ain't walking. We're getting a car. <laughs> so he goes back in. He says, I can't walk. He says, I'm too old to walk. I need a car. Yes, Coach. So they gave us a car. He throws me the keys. He says, Rome, you got one job. Find the best macaroni Italian restaurants in town and be <laughs> here at 5 o'clock. After we eat, I don't care what you do with the car or where you go. So we had just a great, great time. And uh, He was a good coach, boy. He was a good coach. He was a great man. And today, to this day, if he sees me, hey, Rome, how you doing? And uh, I'll never forget uh, <laughs> talking about he put the Demetrius score and uh, Charles Smith on one side of the court. And our point guard would throw the ball and Ronnie Cycli be on the other side of the court. The ball would go up. Guy come down and throw the ball to the right. Ball goes into Charles Smith. Come down, throw the ball to the right. Demetrius score, shoot. Finally, Ronnie Cycli comes, coach. He says, uh, I haven't got the ball once. <laughs> he says, coach, to go. I said to coach, coach, I says, I think we got to break up that core and Smith, put one on one side, one on the other. And that's what we did. But uh, he, he was just great. Let me see who we got. We got more, more comments here. Leo Kaposha says it was an honor to be part of the 70, 71, and 72 teams, Orange for Life. Nobody motivated like Coach E. Oh. Yeah, Leo. <laughs> Leo was a good – he was a good player, hard-nosed kid, and he supported us all the way through with uh, – Frickin' fracks. Uh, every Thursday night we had chicken wings and pizzas. In fact, one of my last years I had a kid, that was his job, call for pizza and wings. <laughs> so one uh, one week, this was with Scotty Pakufka and that group, McCordick, yeah. Ratch, uh, Kelvin, Kelvin, uh, Kelvin Parker, Kelvin, not Kevin, uh, so all of a sudden this Thursday night in comes this we, the game got canceled Friday. Like got canceled on Wednesday. So all of a sudden here comes the guy from Frickin' Frack. I said, Brian, what's the guy doing? He says, Coach, he says, every Friday, don't we have pizza? Every Thursday, I mean, don't we have pizza and wings? I said, No, that's pre before we play a game. We aren't playing this Friday. He said, Well, that's all right, I ordered anyways. <laughs> coach you got Vinny DiMaggio says you, <coughs> coach still calls me red light to this day yeah Vinny was our goalie in high school that, he used to let a few goals go by him so I gave him the nickname red light my uncle Paul 80 says coach you were out at first yeah that's what he says that was a, he's another one I used to have the bat and ball remember oh yeah the, fun, the fungal bat Bungo bat. So after one of the practices, him and this Gary Halder are out behind RFA. They're walking home, and Halder's limping. So I said, I said, hey, Gary, come here. You got hurt tonight? No, why? I said, what are you limping about? He's mumbling. Paul, he's mumbling. He's trying, you know, he's trying to talk his way out of there like he usually does. So I said, what's wrong with your leg? Well, he had the fungal bat in his pants. They were going to steal. They were going to steal the fungal bat. But I got some great baseball stories. That's what made those JV kids. We were talking about the other day. 
I had a kid who used to come in and every he, he was so darn lazy, he wouldn't untie his baseball shoes. <laughs> he's over there, he's stamping his foot, stamping his foot. I looked at him, I says, uh, why the hell won't you just get a shoehorn? <laughs> he looked at the kid next to him, he says, shoehorn, shoehorn, what's he talking about? I knew I was getting old then. <laughs> I says, a shoehorn, that's something you put in the back of your shoe to slip. <laughs> he didn't have a clue what the shoehorn meant. Coach, You've been around a lot of coaches and athletes, but I wanted—I've always wanted to ask you though: who who were some coaches that you've looked up to over the years? I know there's a lot of them, but who are maybe your top two or three coaches that you know you followed and have had an impact on you? Well, I I follow Bobby Knight, and you know I I tried to copy what he did as his offenses and defenses. Rick Pitino gave me a big big break in my whatever career I had. Rick was a, an assistant at Syracuse U, and he kind of ran the summer camp up there, and we we went up and uh, worked a summer camp for the Bay, Coach Bayheim. So Ricky asked me if I would be interested in going to work at Five Star. I said, yeah, are you serious? Sure. So that's how I got to work with uh, at work at Five Star, and Rick Patino gave me a big break. You know, when I look at Seth Greenberg and Brendan Malone and uh, – John Calipari and, uh, well, Rick, those guys, I mean, they they were all started out. They were 21, 22 years old. I mean, mm -hmm. we used to go out. I was buying the drinks for them. They, now they could buy and sell me. But uh, <laughs> Mr. Claire B., uh, Coach B was a big influence on me. I used to go to his camp down at Cutcher's, and he was a big influence. Coach Murphy, naturally. Mr. Dane he gave me the opportunity to to teach physical education and coach was a big influence on me and my dad. I just, I was always sorry that my dad, he died at 56. He never really got to see me coach in anything, but uh, he, he, he was a big influence on me. Boy, you mentioned Rick Patino. I know he's at Iona and, and he'll win there, but I was really hoping he'd wait another year because the Fordham job's open. I'd love to see him go to Fordham. Yeah. He's a winner. He he's, he, he's a good, Listen to him talk at a clinic. He does a great job too. Him and Hubie are probably the two best of clinicians. And uh, I used to go to camps. I used to go to clinics all over. And uh, till this day, I sit there and watch games. I I got my pad and paper out, and uh, you know, learning names and things like that. I see your boys. You got three All Americans. You still won't win. You can't beat Baylor because you're not athletic enough. Ah. Uh. They didn't want to play the Zags. Hey, but listen, in all honesty, though, because you've seen Gonzaga play in person, right? Yeah. Yes. How good of a coach is Mark Few, though? Mark Few's a great coach. He's a great recruiter. He's one of those guys who went to, you know, he kind of got into that Australian Australian uh, scene with the, the foreign kids. Yep. But uh, when we went down to Australia, uh, the head of the basketball down there, we met with him because we stayed in Melbourne and we played about, we played seven games down there. <clears throat> and we met with him one year and he, and he told us, he says, uh, because down there you can have two Americans on your team in the pro league. And that was why we went down there it was nice because it was there uh, like the winter or the spring. So their seasons were just finishing up. So 
when you went to play a game down there, the team was good. It wasn't a bunch of guys like the YMCA. Here comes these kids from Hamilton College and from the States. They were good teams. And he told us, he says, we got players now. And I watched them practice and things. And those are the kids that are coming over here now and playing with those teams in that Mount, Mountain West Conference. Is that the the Zags are in the West Coast Conference. West Coast Conference. They're getting a lot of those kids from Australia that are real good players. Yeah. He's done a good job recruiting. Well, this – this I always say every year this is Mark Few's best team, but I do think this is probably the best all-around team he's had since he's been there. Yeah. Well, he's got he's got three All-American possibilities there. But you're right. You know who they run into every year that always gives them a game? Because you, you mentioned the athletic part. Florida State and Florida State's always athletic. They're long. Yep. That's like Baylor. Baylor's got to get there. Remember that Baylor's got to get there first. The Zags have played a tougher non-conference schedule this year than Baylor. Eh, I don't know. You play in that uh, SEC. That's a tough conference. No, it is. Coach, I want to ask you a few last things, and then I, I want to wrap it up. But there's so many comments. You're going to have to have Mrs. E get on Facebook and read through them. A lot of nice comments from a lot of a lot of good people, but one of the quotes I'll always remember I, when I heard you speak for the first time and I heard you speak at the Hamilton College Camp, you always used to say, listen to your message, not the delivery. Right. Talk to us about that. Well, I was a yeller and screamer, right? And that's what I used to tell kids. Don't listen to what I'm trying to tell you, not how I'm trying to tell you. And that's basically what it meant that uh, my screaming had nothing to do with it's the, the message that I was trying to deliver. And uh, I yelled like that. And the kids, I think you kids understood it. I mean, you, you heard it in practice. You heard it in games. I didn't, I didn't ever pull any punches. In fact, uh, <laughs> funny story. Coach Bruce will love this one. When uh, things weren't going so good for me at RFA, the superintendent and his wife came to the game and they sat right behind my bench and we were playing and I was, I was trying to be good, real good. <laughs> Coach Bruce says, you're doing good, doing good. So finally something went wrong and that was it. I went after the young referee and I, I it, it, he's pulling my coat. My wife is across the way yelling, sit down, sit down. And, he's pulling on my coat. He says, the, the boss is right behind me. Finally, I turned to him. and says, look, I don't care where the boss is. He came in here to see the show. I says, I might as well give it to him. And that was the end of it. Coach, when you look back now and you look back on your, your entire career, would you go back and do anything different now? Knowing what you know now, would you have done anything different? Well, Maybe, maybe I would have tried to get into the college coaching as a head coach. I had to do it again, but uh, not really. I love this city. I love the people in the city. My family was brought up here. My daughter, Kristen, and which I got to mention, it was a, a gymnast here. She got a scholarship to Oklahoma. She went there and became a guidance counselor. Uh, you know, and, and my son Steve got a great education at Union. We we had a great time and it was great. I had three kids stay with me that played for me and uh, I enjoyed that. 
the things I did, I don't think I could have done anywhere else. I mean, you take Anthony Ortolano, who's still one of my close friends, uh, used to spend every Christmas with me shopping. I mean, things like that, you can't really put a price tag on it. Auntie and I would go out Christmas shopping and I'd look and I said, what do you think, Aunt? And he'd look and how much is that? I'd say 50 bucks. He'd buy it, buy it. He'd always go by the price. And he'd bring me a sausage sandwich, sausage sandwiches. And to this day, I still get sausage sandwiches every Christmas Eve from his aunt and his uh, sister to this day. So, I mean, things like that. And uh, my, my daughter, uh, you know, she went through the gymnastics. She got a scholarship to OU. Now she's out in Coronado as a AD uh, for the modified junior high at Coronado High School. So she's made it good. And she, her husband is the vice president, general manager of national sales manager for, for uh, Southern California, Fox Sports. Yep. She's got a great job. They got a great life. My son, Steve, uh, you know, he got a not great opportunities to coach at uh, like Siena with Paul Hewitt. They went to the, the big dance. Yep. Uh, Kevin O'Neill at Northwestern and Scotty Hicks at LeMoyne. He played for Bill Scanlon and Bobby Montana, all great people. Everything around this area was just great. I, I would never leave. And I, I, know, I, I don't regret not leaving either. My wife wants to always move out of this house. I've been here for 52 years. Well, you got to give Mrs. E, because I was going to get into the family piece. I'm glad you did. And and Miss, Mrs. E deserves, the, if, if any medal, of any coach's wife, they everybody, my, my mom deserves a medal, Mrs. D, everybody. Your wife deserves a gold medal. She should be in every Hall of Fame possible to have to put up with you all these years. Well, we had a lot of fun doing it. And, uh, you know, it. I, I get a kick. My my son is on his way. He's flying to, to Florida here. My my wife, well, we couldn't even get to Disneyland. <laughs> we always had the, you know camps or, in fact, my first year I got married to her, I was going down to Cutcher's and worked for eight weeks at the Cutcher's All Sports Camp. But uh, when I got down there, I found it wasn't quite the basketball I was used to, and I <laughs> I came back. But uh, that's another great story. But I was, I've been involved with great people and, uh, you know, Jim Beheim, Dolph Chase. I worked for Dolph Chase. Uh, Reverend Vischer, who was a great high school coach down to, down to Lutheran, who married uh, Reverend Boriak's daughter, who was a reverend here at St. John's Lutheran Church, great friend of mine. And uh, people like that, and me sitting and having lunch with Wilt Chamberlain, or Julia Serving, or Digger Phelps, and Bobby Knight, and things like that. It probably wouldn't have happened if I wasn't here in Rome. It was just a great opportunity and a lot of fun. And, and you know, Coach Stockwell gave me an opportunity here at, at the end. i just sorry that uh, things didn't work out over at Hamilton. They they come up with some idea. You, they're not – they don't want uh, volunteers – because I loved the coaching with Coach Stocky. I mean, that was a lot of fun, too. And, Coach, I want to read you this quote because Scott Petoniak, I think, hit it right on the right on the nose here. You were a winner on the court, the diamond, and most importantly, in life. And great. Scott's been a good good friend, too. 
for me. He's, he's, he's done a lot for me. So thanks, Scott. I'm very proud of Scott and all those guys that have hung together. Gary Tarantino, Joe Peluso, uh, Dave Smith, Bernie Colangelo, Ricky Cook, who became a coach. That's, all, that's always uh, nice to see when your ex-players become coaches like Eric Bird and, and Ricky and, you know, the work Tommy Campbell's doing up there in the, the youth basketball. You never mentioned the Fran, the, the Fran Allison League and all, all those people that – and uh, Coach Manford and, and, of course, his son, son the commissioner, yep. Nick Bottini, uh, Carl Eilenberg, Ray Tarkowski, who was how many years my announcer – Dave Bovey, God bless his soul, and Nick Bottini, both doing the clock and the book, and Bobby Evangelist, God bless him, and Eddie O'Brien, all those guys. Carl Eilenberg was my first, yep. uh, he was my first announcer, and he did the MC in my banquets. Scott is going to be the MC at the Hall of Fame banquet. Oh, nice. Yeah. But uh, those guys, it, it's just great, uh, great people. That's all I can say. And all part of my life and all part of my, if I had any success, they were a big part of it. Well, Coach, I'm just about out of time, but I, I do want to, I want to personally thank you because you've been so good to, to me, my family over the years. And when I put this thing together, I said, you know, you're a legend, Coach, you're Rome basketball. But to me, when somebody mentions Rome sports, you're the first name that comes up because, I mean, you've taught everybody from, from postcards to notes that you've sent everybody in this town, um, the life lessons, the hard work you taught, everybody, um, even myself, not, not just coaching coach, but even in my business world today, I don't, I, I, I don't coach anymore. I wish I did, but I coach in, in the business world. And all your attention to details, all the little things that you preached over the years, I can't thank you enough for everything you did for me. I, I, I love you like family, and you'll always be definitely part of my family, Coach. Well, Rock, you know, it's nice to see, ex, like I said, ex-players like yourself stay into the business of athletics, and uh, you're doing a great job. You're chasing a dream, and I, I know you're going, you're going to be successful with this before you're through. And, uh, you know, always remember, Rock, though, I choked the dog and you wagged the tail. <laughs> Hey, one last thing, and I'll let you go. My, my now, I obviously I'm a huge Dickie V guy. Did you yeah. ever hear him talk? Well, quick story with Dickie V. Dickie V was down at the National Sports Festival in '85. He was just starting out, and we were out at a at a restaurant, and this guy was all over Dickie V. He kept, you know, he imitated him. He said. He was giving him the business. And finally, he turned to me. He says, Coach, he says, you got a car? I, it was it was about 9 o'clock, so I had the car. It was after 5. I, I said, yeah, why? He says, give me a ride home, he says, because I'm going to go over there. I'm going to lose my whole job, my whole career, because I'm going to punch the guy. So that's my one story with Dickie V. But I've gone at the final fours, uh, well, 42 of them, but I've gone to his, uh, listen to him speak at the final fours, uh, five stars and uh, the rock always had a banquet and Dickie V was always one of the main speakers and uh, he does a good job. Great man. Yeah. To, to still be doing it with the passion yep. he brings. I, I've always loved them. So, you know, the guy I really like now is the guy from Indiana. Dockage. Dockage. Yeah. Dan Dockage. He does a good job as a color man. Yeah. Dockage is real good. He's good. I like him. 
Well, Coach, listen, make sure to have Mrs. E get on Facebook because there's a lot of comments. I, I couldn't pull them all in, but there's a ton of them on there. Um, she can check and see a lot of people put some stuff up. But, again, Coach, thanks for coming on here tonight. I really appreciate it. Rack, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. And uh, and part of my family, on behalf of my family, we thank you. And people ask me, geez, you haven't got a gray hair in your head. <laughs> Only my beautician knows. That's right. That's right. Your mother, Rock. <laughs> Thank you very uh, much. All right, Coach. We love you. Have Thank a good you. night. Yep. Take all it easy. Thank you. Was that awesome or what, Coach Evans? Like I said, when you when you think of Rome Sports, Coach Evans is Rome Sports. I know it was basketball, and and I'm not taking anything away from any of the coaches um, and people that I'm going to have on this show, including my dad. My dad's going to be a guest with me next week. And uh, I'm excited for that because usually I have my dad on Sports Watch where it's a quick 10, 15-minute interview, but not ever do I get him one-on-one for probably an hour or so. So I'm excited for next week. Again, I want to thank the sponsors for tonight. I want to make sure I thank the Rome Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, Again, they are the prime sponsor for all the shows uh, throughout the month of April. All their information is right on the ticker at the bottom of the screen. I want to thank Joe Griffo. I want to thank Tony Levadoti. And I want to thank Bob Gula. I want to read this for Bobby one more time. He was kind enough to help sponsor tonight's show. Bob Gula, Don's Ford, and BMW of Utica with all new Fords and BMWs. They have a large selection of used cars, trucks, SUVs, all makes and models, over 80 pre-owned SUVs and over 50 pre-owned trucks, many used vehicles that will be $250 or less payment per month. We finance good, bad, and no credit customers. Contact Bob Gula at 315-864-7043. And you could also read for him at robertgula at carbonecars.com. So on behalf of myself tonight, I appreciate everybody tuning into the Rock Pile. I'll finish off the month of February next week. My dad at 8 o'clock. The following week, Coach Mike 80 will join me right here on the Rock Pile. So on behalf of myself here at the Rock Pile, I always say, and I'll repeat it again, the Rock Pile is where dreams become reality. I'll see you next week, everybody.